Good morning. It is good to see you this morning. We are so glad that you are here. It is good to see some faces I haven't seen for a while, and if we haven't seen you for a while, just know we're thrilled you're here. And all of you at home, know that we love you. We are praying for you. We are here for you, and we ask that you continue to pray for us. Uh, I'm thankful for all the boxes I've seen in the lobby in here and in the Wortham Center and all of you who are participating in our food drive, and as JJ said, it's not too late. And so I love the ways that this church steps up in generosity and compassion, and we want to continue to do more and more of that. So thank you for the ways that you're participating and helping us out in that. All right, I want you to listen to the opening lines from an article I read several weeks back. It's officially September. Pumpkin spice lattes have returned, kids are back in school, and some families are already looking ahead to the holiday season and dreading it. It was the first of September, and they're already talking about people who were looking to the holiday season, but they weren't filled with a sense of excitement. They were filled with a sense of dread. And it is the anxiety that comes from knowing that you are going to gather around some people for whom some conflict might come up, some conversations that's going to lead to arguments and awkward silence and hurt feelings. And you can imagine, this article was in particular talking about COVID and vaccines, but you can imagine all kinds of other topics that show up during the holiday season when you're around friends or family you haven't been around in a while. In fact, you don't have to imagine it. I've put together something to help make family fight night family fun night. It is a Thanksgiving family fight bingo. So get your bingo chips ready and listen to any of the following, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, vaccine and anti-vax, Anthony Fauci, ivermectin, 2020 election, 2024 election, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Karen, as in don't be a, Brandon, as in let's go, cancel culture, climate change, of course you got to have a free spot in there somewhere, infrastructure bill, immigration, MSNBC versus Fox News, racial justice or critical race theory, Aaron Rodgers, Dave Chappelle. If you say that one more time, is anyone listening to me? We don't say that word now, Nana. Church, to change or not to change. And finally, Let's play a game. Remember, five in a row and you win. Or everyone loses, depending on how you see it. Now, some of you may have been a little surprised by my last inclusion. Why is let's play a game on there? And others of you are saying, oh, I know exactly why let's play a game is on there. Listen, some of the worst fights I have ever been in or witnessed, have come during playing games. And I'm not just talking about when my brothers and I were kids and we would throw the board across the room or start pegging 
you know, cards at one another. I'm, I'm talking about as adults. Have you ever been in or witnessed a conflict because someone that you're playing with is so competitive that they lose it in the middle of a game, let's say, categories, for example. No, you can't get three points for Big Brown Bear. I'll give you brown as a part of the name, but big is just a descriptive attitude that does not count. You cheater. You tried that the last time. I'm not letting you get away with it this time. I'm just pulling that out of the hat. Not that, not that our family has ever gotten into any categories fights. Now, sometimes I like to have people raise their hand, a little audience participation, but I'm not sure it's safe to do that because you may be sitting right next to the person that does it. So, instead of raising your hand, if you have ever witnessed or been a part of a fight that's gotten a little too competitive in the middle of a game, don't raise your hand. I want you to just keep looking at me but blink one time really long. You ready? I'm, I'm watching. I'm here for you. Okay, this is, this is worse than I thought. This is, I'm going to be praying for you. Well, you're not alone. In a recent survey of 2,000 U.S. adults, uh, 20% said that their game nights with friends or family members are often or always disrupted by competitive or unfriendly behavior. Typical antics include someone quitting because they're losing, 46%. Someone accusing another person of cheating, 44%. Uh, and two or more players getting into an argument, 44%. Doesn't that sound fun? Aren't you excited? For Thanksgiving gatherings right now, it has gotten so bad that several years ago, Monopoly set up a holiday hotline to settle family disputes. Did you know that? Have you ever been in a Monopoly fight? Don't raise your hand. You don't have to, you don't have to tell me. And Hasbro listed their, their top 10 arguments, but number one on the list was Someone is making up the rules, and I have been there many times. Almost every game I play with Max, there's some new, brand new rule. I don't, I don't know where it comes from, but his kind of make it, make it fun. You don't know what game you're playing by the end. You start with one game, you're playing something completely different. But here's what the fine folks at Hasbro, with their Monopoly hotline, here are the kinds of conflicts they can't mediate. They cannot mediate when you pout and curse and make everyone miserable because you're a sore loser. That's not in the rule book. And they can't mediate when you are a gloating, bragging, loudmouthed jerk because you're winning right now and crushing the competition. That one's on you too. Okay, so we're wrapping up our study this morning on being peacemakers in a world of conflict. And it is not bad to have one more reminder before we move into the holiday season 
that we never take a holiday from being peacemakers. And that takes ongoing choices on our part, making decisions to be peacemakers when it's not easy. And we know it's not always easy with the people that we live our lives with every day, that we live with and that we work with. But we also know as, in, as we head toward the holiday season that at least for some of us, that's not always easy when we go to spend time with people that we only see once or twice or three times a year. So as we move toward the holiday season and we let this idea of being peacemakers kind of hang over us and carry forward with us, I want to read these instructions from Paul that he offers Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in the middle of verse 14. Command everyone in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Now, that should probably be printed in the rule book of categories. Might not be a bad thing to have crawling at the bottom of some of the news programs we like to watch, or maybe a, a pop-up warning before we read certain articles or posts or before we make certain posts. And Paul continues in verse 23, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. So when you read through First and Second Timothy, and Titus, which are often called the pastoral epistles because Paul is writing to two young pastors. Titus, who's ministering in Crete, and Timothy in Ephesus. And they're ministering in churches that are fairly new, and so he's trying to bring some organization to those churches. But he, they're also ministering in churches where there's a decent amount of conflict going on. And so Paul is trying to help bring some order. And much of the, the conflict that Paul is addressing in these churches is that there are certain individuals that Paul describes as false teachers, aren't staying true to the gospel of Jesus, who are causing all kinds of division and sowing all kinds of discord. And so modern translations will talk about the way that they are not practicing sound teaching. But the word that Paul uses there that's often translated as sound is really a medical term. He's saying they're not practicing healthy teaching. The kinds of things they're doing and the ways they're doing it, in fact, are the opposite of healthy. They're making the church sick. And they're making individuals sick. In fact, he says in 2.17, in 2 Timothy 2.17, that their teaching, it spreads like 
gangrene. Now, I don't know a lot about gangrene and how it, how it spreads, but we would probably say today it spreads like a cancer. That stuff is toxic. What they're doing and how they're doing it. So in his first letter, in 1 Timothy 6, 4, Paul writes, they have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy and strife and malicious talk and evil suspicions and constant friction between people. And we get a little bit of the specifics, but I love how Paul continues in referencing these conflicts, just keeps talking about this sort of generic words. Just keep getting conflict over words. Because the specifics is helpful to them, but that more blanket statement is not a bad reminder for us. And words, conflict that just leads to constant friction. And my question is, does any of that sound familiar to the environment in which we find ourselves today? And that the endless industry of causing and stirring up controversy and quarrel-making that's out there. But also that habit, that tendency of making small things into big things. Of blowing up controversies over stuff where you might just boil it down to it's just a bunch of words. It's not all life or death. It's not all in or out, black or white. You're either with me or you're against me. It's useless arguments over words. So look again at 2.23. Again, I say don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Now, when he talks about foolish and ignorant, he's not putting them down as individuals, but it's a way of saying they're arguing about things that they don't know about. They're uneducated. They're ill-informed. They don't even know what they're talking about. It's not a bad reminder to remember that a little time on Google or Wikipedia, or WebMD, does not an expert make. And even if you really think you know what you're talking about, and let's be honest, when we're in conflict with, one, with someone else, don't we usually think that we're the informed one and they're the ill-informed one? That we're the one with the knowledge and they're the ones that lack knowledge. If you think you're the one who's got it figured out and got it all together, Paul's next reminder is still really beneficial. You know, a servant of the Lord, they're not the quarrelsome type. In fact, earlier in the pastoral epistles, when Paul is talking about qualities of leaders in the church. Not being quarrelsome 
is one of the ones in the list. I've had people in the past when we've done elder selection who've wanted to run a couple of names by me. Hey, what do you think? And sometimes they would, they would share a lot of names that, that were really fitting. But I've had them before share a name that I've thought, hey, I love that person, but that is a quarrelsome person. And it's not because the doctrines don't line up. Because you never have total agreement on every point of interest or contention. But are they contentious? Are they the kind of person not just that disagrees, but is disagreeable and is sowing that discord and division among others? Because Paul says that's not the way of the servant, any servant, and it's certainly not the way of the servant leader. Instead, we're supposed to be patient with difficult people. So not only are we not purposely starting and stirring up conflict, but we're the kind of people that are patient slow to enter into the fray when the conflict is there. And I think this is a helpful reminder as we head toward the holidays and times with family when we know sometimes those times can turn into fights. And it's not to say that you can't hold tightly to your convictions or have your passions or believe strongly in what you believe, but you don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to be quarrelsome, always looking to pull the pin and throw the grenade into the middle of the conversation. You can be slow to start the fights, slow to sustain the fights, slow to anger while you're playing those board games. It's also not bad to be quick to set up boundaries when a conversation goes in a direction that you know is leading down a path of fights and quarrels. To be able to say, I love you, but I think we see this differently. Hey, I'm happy to have this conversation with you. I'm not sure here at the table with all of us is the best place. Would you like to find a time in the future and we can talk through this? There are all kinds of exit ramps to the escalation. And it takes peacemakers who are willing to take those ramps when we could easily throw our foot on the gas and pick up the speed. But I want to consider one other thing that we haven't talked nearly as much about, and this is how I want to conclude. Most of the time when we have talked about how we handle talk, uh, conflict, we've been talking about when other people wrong us. Another person is the instigator. They're the perpetuators of this conflict. And often isn't that how we see it? They're the ones who started it. They're the ones who's keeping it going. And so last week, we got this reminder, hey, 
reconciliation is so important. If you have a sacrifice, you're at the altar, at the temple, and you realize someone else has a problem with you, you leave your sacrifice, you take the time, you do the travel, you go to the expense, and you go take care of that because reconciliation is not a distraction. It's not a detour to what God is about. It is the point. And part of what we remembered in that conversation is Jesus never specifies whether you're the guilty party or not. Just that someone has something else against you. And we're all saints in the biblical sense in here, but we're not all sinless. We contribute. We create. We cause the conflict sometimes. It is not just on the other person. Usually takes two to tango. And we know the times when we cross the line and what we say or we do. If we're humble enough and we'll reflect, we see some of the times when we escalated instead of brought peace into the situation. If we'll be open to the Spirit, the Spirit will convict us of those moments when we've sinned against another in something that we said. We felt hurt, so we hurt them. We feel like they slighted us, so we let them know in a really passive-aggressive way where we can hide behind what we're doing, but we know what we're doing, and they know what we're doing. We know sometimes we're heading into conversations where we think of it as friendly dialogue. But you know there are some in your family that just experience it as divisive and problematic. Can you practice the golden rule in those moments and consider them and not just yourself? Just because you don't have a problem with that conversation doesn't mean that they don't. And during those times, when you start to realize, when the Spirit reveals to you that you are the source of the conflict or you've certainly played your part, you've contributed, will you be humble enough to admit it, to confess it, to recognize it and let them know? Will you be less defensive if someone confronts you about the way that you hurt them? And listen, instead of immediately pushing that off and and giving excuses. Can you offer sincere apologies when the time comes? And not the kind of apologies that we hear a lot that make their way into the news from celebrities or athletes or politicians or public officials where it, it sounds like a team of, of publicists and lawyers got together and they wrote it and so it starts, if I offended anyone here at the Thanksgiving table, I know I probably shouldn't have said, but you said... It's probably a good idea to lose the probably's. 
it might be a good idea to lose the mites, let go of the ifs and the buts. I was wrong. Was that so hard? Yes, it was, but I apologize. I shouldn't have said that. That was mean. I shouldn't have done that. That was insensitive. This was not the best time to bring that up. I apologize. I'm sorry. I was too competitive. It doesn't matter if I win this game or not. I lost my cool. I was too defensive. I should have let you keep talking. I should have done more listening. I shouldn't have lashed out. Last week, we were reminded of the passage where Jesus says, you know, if a brother or sister sins against you seven times in one day and confesses and uh, uh, repents and asks for forgiveness, then you should forgive them seven times. Well, let's look at it from the other angle. If you're the one who keeps on crossing the line in the same day, be humble enough to keep owning up to it. I mean, try to stop it. You don't have to get to seven just because you can. You know, dial that back a little bit if you would. But when you don't, when you cross the line, confess it. Admit it. Don't excuse it. Don't drag them in as if you wouldn't have done it if they hadn't done what they did. That's, that's their confession to make. That's a conversation you can have at some point. But a, a confession is not so qualified. It is just straightforward. Here's what I want to remind you as we, as we close. The, the potential for conflict is all around us. Because it goes with us wherever we go. It can live within us wherever we go. But here's the promise. The peace of Christ goes with us well, as well. If we will continue to choose to embrace it. To practice it. To work for it. So my encouragement to you is my encouragement to myself. Ask God this week and as you move into the holiday season to help you be a peacemaker.